Hello there, music teacher friends. You are listening to episode 110 of the Beyond Measure podcast with me, Christina Whitlock, your anytime piano teacher friend. I've got to tell you guys that I am having one of those weeks where I am just so in love with the audience of this show. (laughs) I have made so many amazing friends since launching this podcast, and I've been getting the opportunity to know even more of you through the launch of my Studio Foundations course, and I don't know, I'm just so grateful and also very entertained by this community. So anyway, I just wanted to say thanks for being here. In last week's episode, I started unpacking some strategies to help pull you out of that usual rut of what I call assign, practice, pass, repeat. If you missed that, I do hope you'll go back and listen to episode 109. But basically, I am on a mission to help teachers realize that there are other options out there besides this go-to routine of assigning something, hearing it the next week, passing it, or maybe not passing it, and then just repeating the process. Assign, practice, pass, repeat. Assign, practice, pass, repeat. Oh, yawn. (laughs) Now, hear me here. It's not that there's anything wrong with that strategy. It became a thing for a reason, right? It might still be the most effective plan for you most of the time. It's just that I do think there are occasions where it pays to shake things up a little bit and approach our students a little differently. And that's what we're talking about today and honestly, probably for the next episode or two, because apparently I have a lot to say on this subject. (laughs) But we're going to examine how can you change up the lesson experience on an occasional basis in a way that will allow for an optimal learning experience. Let's start with a scenario that will be familiar to many of you. Let's say little Marianne arrives for her lesson, and as you are getting ready to teach her, she immediately sits down and begins playing a piece that she played in last year's recital. She's just, you know, fiddling around, but now that you think about it, you realize that maybe she often sits down and plays that same piece. Maybe it does seem to be the first thing that she does when she sits down at her instrument. Now, most of the time, teachers in this scenario will say something like, hey, listen to you go. I'm happy you remember that, but now it's time for this week's music. And surely there are times when it's appropriate to do that. But what if every once in a while, when you notice that a student consistently revisits the same piece, why don't you tell them you want to hear it? As in the whole piece, like with their full effort, not just half-heartedly wiggling their fingers through it while you run to the kitchen to get a glass of water or something, but most likely if you ask your students to play that full piece, 
I think your students are going to be surprised, like really surprised. They might say, you want to hear that? But you know what? They're also going to feel seen. If you say, well, sure. I mean, listen to how great it sounds. Of course I want to hear that today. I think they're going to feel excited. And I think they're going to know and feel like you are invested in them and what they care about playing. Now, can you do this every single week? (laughs) Of course not. Probably not anyway. But once in a while, of course you can. Plus, letting them play this revisited piece for you will give you an opportunity to re-infuse it with something new, right? I am a huge advocate of revisiting pieces. And that goes for our students, but also for ourselves. Have you ever returned to a piece that you once performed, like, years after the fact? It's a really eye-opening experience. Most importantly, there's always something new to be learned or considered, isn't there? I mean, it makes sense because you know more today than you did the last time that you performed that work. So, of course, it makes sense that you have a new perspective on it. And the same thing is true for our students. They are going to have a new perspective on pieces today than they did a year ago. So, if little Marianne sits down and plays through last year's recital piece, let's give her the opportunity to infuse it with the skills that she has gained over the past few months, right? I mean, can her dynamic range be wider? You bet. It always can be, right? (laughs) Can her tempo be more even in that one passage that used to get a little wonky? I'd be willing to bet it can. (laughs) Is the whole thing a lot more enjoyable now because it's had that irreplaceable element of time to percolate around in her brain? Of course it will be. Again, revisiting previous work is kind of a big deal to me. Let's look at a new scenario, shall we? (laughs) Let's say little Marianne arrives for her lesson and she is ready for the last piece in her method book. Well, I have a few rules, we'll call them, about wrapping up a method book. First of all, I always frame the final piece as the student's chance to show me that they have learned everything they need to learn to pass that book. It's a final exam of sorts. I give them pretty much no introduction to the piece, like, at all. I tell them they should now be equipped with everything they need to learn that piece independently. Now, that might sound scary, but my students love this. They like the chance to like prove themselves, and I like the independence that they take on to learn it by themselves. Granted, my students do learn the majority of their method book pieces independently, but I do provide like a supersized buildup around this final piece of your method book. Okay, so let's fast forward to the next week. Since the piece was learned independently, And because there's always plenty of artistic flair to explore in those final pieces, 
there's a good chance that little Marianne and I are going to spend a lot of her lesson working through that final composition, right? So, with that in mind, it's often the case that we will wrap up the final piece of the book with just a few minutes left to spare in the lesson. That feels like too much of a rush to just all of a sudden drop her right into a new book, doesn't it? Even if the first piece is actually a review piece, it just still feels like too much for the last three minutes of a lesson. So, do you want to know what I do? I almost always assign what I call a replay week, where I tell my student that after they've finished that final piece of the book, I want them to spend their week refreshing maybe like 10 pieces from the book that they just finished. Now, of course, you can tailor that number to the individual scenario. You're going to need to. But I give that student a sticky note or a notebook page with maybe 10 blank lines on it, and I tell them to make a list throughout the week of the pieces that they are going to play for me the following week. They don't fill that list out right away, mind you. (laughs) We don't have time for that, remember? (laughs) But they do use it as kind of a record for that week's practice. And then when they show up the next week, I'll take a look at their list And I usually just end up choosing a couple of them before we get started in the new book. Over the years, my students have quickly come to learn that they can expect this routine when they get to the end of a method book. This is one way that predictability and routine really does work in our favor. Because students do enjoy this change of pace, but it's also somewhat predictable and expected. It's kind of interesting, right? And you know what else? (laughs) Students love replay weeks. First of all, they get to choose the pieces that they are playing. That's pretty much always a win. Second, they get the assurance of working on pieces they've already learned in the past. That security The break from the constant unknowns of learning new repertoire? (laughs) Well, that is a win. Third, they're playing a lot of pieces that week, so I think that's a win. Fourth, they're cross-applying new skills that they have picked up over the course of the book like crazy, so that's a win. And fifth, I mean, does it give you an extra week to order the next book just in case you forgot to? (laughs) Why, yes, yes, it does. And that can be a win. (laughs) I could go on and on, but suffice to say, if you have never assigned a replay week, or whatever you want to call it, I cannot suggest it highly enough. And I'll be honest, it doesn't even have to come with the end of a method book. Anytime you find yourself in a pinch and don't have enough time to adequately introduce new work for the week, (laughs) replay week to the rescue. (laughs) You can pick old repertoire for students to revisit, or you can let them choose. They will love it. It's a quick assignment to give. It gives them lots of work to do through the week. I mean, I just think it's a win for everyone involved. (laughs) Maybe it's revisiting Christmas music in July, or... I mean, even in May, after the big studio recital, when students don't have the mental bandwidth to pick up extra pieces. 
Is your student going to fifth grade camp for four days next week and won't have a lot of time to practice? Replay week two, the rescue. <laughs> In my episode on a less conventional August, that's episode 38, by the way, I mentioned the fact that I always do a themed throwback week of group performance classes. And that is where students are allowed to bring a piece to play for the group that is something they played over a year ago. It is absolutely a favorite week in the studio because I find all kinds of pedagogical opportunities in that hour. Students, first of all, think they are so entertaining by choosing pieces back from their earliest years in lessons, but actually, they kind of end up learning how fun it can be to perform music that is well below their current level of study. And that happens to be a whole soapbox that I will just avoid for the time being. But just know that I really have a passion for helping students realize that it's okay to play pieces that are under your abilities. Let's look at one last scenario. And this is a very timely one because many of you are getting ready to step right into this about this time of year. Let's say that little Marianne is slated to play in her upcoming local piano festival. She needs to play two contrasting pieces for the event. And you probably know where I'm going with this, but it's the bane of the piano teacher experience. <laughs> How do we avoid the trap of sweet little Marianne only playing two pieces for the next two or three months? Well, that could and probably should be its own separate episode. But guess what, friends? Replays to the rescue again. It's such a bind to be in, isn't it? that we often spend so much of the springtime just cleaning up and polishing a smaller number of pieces, and our teacher hearts can't help but sink when we realize that Marianne has very little to show for several weeks of study. At the same time, Marianne herself is getting sick of those two pieces. The problem, of course, is the fact that you don't want Marianne spending a lot of her time on other pieces because she needs to practice those two festival pieces because she's playing them however many weeks from now and her crosshand arpeggios are still a total mess, right? <laughs> like, how can you possibly assign additional pieces? We need her focused on those festival pieces. Well, it so happens that replaying previous pieces are an excellent way to help cross-apply the concepts that she's working on and also keep Marianne enthusiastic about what she is doing at her instrument. So you've got to do some thinking. Does she have any previous repertoire with cross-hand arpeggios? Well, it's time to pull them back out. Was there a piece this past year where she executed her dynamics exceptionally well? Pull it out and assign it alongside these festival selections. 
Are you working on gently lifting at the ends of her phrases? Um, you know, the list goes on and on, but you get the idea. <laughs> I think you know what to do. Revisit those old pieces. This way, you all get the benefits of hearing different repertoire over the next few weeks. Marianne is going to be happy that she gets to play a variety of pieces over the next few weeks. Yet you will be happy because the skills that you need her to improve are going to get better. That's a pretty giant bonus, right? All right, friends. It's actually time for a toast. But I do hope that today's ideas have encouraged you to find opportunities to have your students revisit previous pieces. If you can't tell, I feel like this can be a real game changer for you and your students and their families and really everyone involved. All right, here we go. Music teacher friends from all over the world, let's raise those glasses to the fact that we are doing some pretty great things in the world. We are professional innovators. <laughs> Do you realize that? <laughs> and among other things, that means that we are thoughtful about the experience that we are delivering our students. I've said many times on this podcast that I never want my students' experience to feel like a series of check marks. I don't like this idea of just crossing pieces off a list and never visiting them again. It just feels, I don't know, empty. And frankly, I don't like it for myself either. There are many pieces in my musical past that are just too fun to leave behind. And just because I can play bigger, more complex pieces now, it doesn't mean those earlier pieces should be useless to me now. That's ridiculous. I don't want that to be true for me, and I don't want it to be true for my students. So here I am, rallying you onto my similar cause. <laughs> Let's all vow to incorporate some element of revisiting or refreshing something in at least one or two of our lessons this week. Are you up for the challenge? <laughs> I know you are. And with that, I raise my glass to you, my professional innovator teacher friends. <laughs> here, here. Thank you, thank you for listening in to episode 110, friends. One of the many reasons I love writing this podcast is the fact that it gives me a chance to really solidify my own thoughts on these concepts. And I just have to admit that I'm really loving this current examination of what we do in the lesson. I hope you are too. If you could do me a favor today, will you please consider sharing this podcast with some of your teacher friends, like maybe even a group of friends who might benefit from it? Your recommendation is not something I asked for lightly, but I've just worked with a lot of teachers over the years, and I know there are many of us who will benefit from rethinking this cycle of assign, practice, pass, repeat. 
Would you share this episode with someone today? Again, I don't take your support for granted. Onward and upward, studio teacher friends. Let's stay in touch this week. You can let me know how you are using this element of revisiting old pieces in your teaching this week. Find me on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Measure Podcast. And of course, never hesitate to email me at beyondmeasurepodcast at gmail.com. I'll talk with you next week.